On this episode of End of the Bench, we will discuss Des Bryant tearing his Achilles, Tom Herman versus Zach Smith, longtime catcher for the Minnesota Twins, Joe Mauer retires, is he a Hall of Famer? We'll discuss in an awesome interview with eight-time New York Times bestselling author, Jeff Perlman. Okay, let's get started. Welcome to the End of the Bench podcast. Today is Tuesday, November 13th, and we finally have our producer back. Hey, man. Stoney Baloney, how we doing? We're doing well. Where did you go again? How long? And first of all, how long were you gone for? It felt like you were gone for, honestly, I texted you. And yeah. I said, it feels like you were gone for a month. I think it was 12, 12 days. I was gone Friday to the- That's a fuck ton of days. Yeah, I did a lot. I did a lot. I was exhausted. Tell, by tell like the listeners what nine. you did. Um, so I went to go visit my girlfriend. Okay, studying abroad in Cork, Ireland. Um, we went to was in Cork for a day. Went to London for three days. Went to Paris for three days. Came back. Explored all over Ireland. Went on the west coast. Corks down on the south. Went to the east coast to Dublin. Saw cliffs of Moher, Eiffel Tower, Big Ben under construction. Full scaffolding covering it. I yeah. didn't see the pictures you put on uh, yeah. Snapchat. Yeah, until, uh, what is it, 2021, I think. Holy that's when. Shit. Yeah, so it's, you can't see Big Ben for a couple of years. That long? Yeah. Holy hell. Quite some it's time. It's almost comparable to the actual Big Ben in the NFL. He's always getting hurt. Always. In, always there you go. Thank you. Um, um, what is this, a sports <laughs> podcast or something? Uh, <laughs> What's the coolest sport thing you saw in Ireland? Um, well, so the biggest thing over there is... I don't know which one's bigger, but they have hurling. I know hurling. And Gaelic football. Uh, yeah, I have to explain the Gaelic football. So they're they're like they're kind of similar. Short. In the same way. What? <laughs> Just a short version. A short ver- version. <laughs> so I I compare it very much to um European handball. So like you oh. can you can like you know in European handball you can run around and then like you dribble mm-hmm. and then you could take like three more steps yeah. and then you can dribble again mm-hmm. take three more steps. So that's what you do in hurling. And Gaelic football. But in Gaelic football, the only way you can, like, kick a goal is if you drop it to your foot. Like, you can't kick it off oh, the like ground like kick, soccer. Okay. Yeah, you have to drop kick everything. Also, they use – both of them use the same goalposts as rugby. So, it's, it looks like the H. So, okay. there's, like, the lower one. So, it's, like, different points. It's like fucking Quidditch. Yeah, exactly. It's just it's, – yeah. Yeah? Is that how Quidditch is? Nah, Quidditch is if like Quidditch is at the circles, if, right? If you catch the golden snitch, you get 150 points, and if you get it in the little circle, you get 10 points. But hurling is if you get it uh, in the like top field goals, it's three points, and if you get it in the bottom one, it's one point. No, I see. something you, like that. Three think points, if, think if we got like a, a hurling player on this podcast. Well, I played hurling a little bit because it was a little not oh. little, really. Yeah, I mean, I, I tried know. it. I tried it. Yeah, the, at the there was like a a small museum at the bottom of the place. It's called Croak. Croke Park, which is like some famous hurling slash Gaelic football field. Um yeah. and they had like a it was like a simulation thing up there. So I, I hit it like eighty four kilometers an hour. I don't know. Ooh, yeah. Hot. So are you are you are you are you like woke AF now? At so, what? At like just being you're a well you're a, uh, a, I did a, a lot traveler. of traveling this you year. You are a traveler? Yeah. You're but now I'm done. Travel, you're woke? I yeah. Customs, fly through it. Big customs guy. 
Everybody asks about my visa though going to uh, Saudi Arabia. Yeah, I oh. keep on getting questioned. They're like, so do you have you been to any other Middle Eastern countries? <laughs> I was like, nope, nope. Just, this one. just breaking world records. That's it. <laughs> so f- from now on, we're gonna try doing this segment where if any of us actually go on a trip, this is Liam's idea. I'm gonna give you the credit to Liam. Definitely a good idea. Thank you. We're going to document a little bit, photos, a little video here and there. We'll mm-hmm, put it on the mm-hmm. social. I have some videos I can post. Okay. Show sure right. the people what we're talking about. Okay. I don't even know what, like, I didn't know what hurling was till I got there. So that's great. We 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 put your trip and move like, and we kind of put sports involved. Exactly. Exactly. I fuck with that. Yeah. It was there was no sports involved till I got to Croke Park. Otherwise, it was just like <laughs> Eiffel Tower, you know, city love, hey. crazy things going on out there. All right. So one thing that really was a uh, a damper on my weekend is that which is also where another another uh segment that liam also invented it's called it's he's on a fucking roll (laughs) it's called summary from the stands now your boy me i went to the jet game this past weekend it's a close one Mm, you know what i bought these tickets about six months ago four months ago something like that bunch of my buddies from uh from college bunch of my teammates were on a fantasy football league and last year, we went to the Chiefs-Jets. Chiefs. So you guys do it every year. Yeah. And this is the Bills-Jets. We were hoping to see, you know, Allen versus Darnold. Both of them are hurt. I was hoping to see Peterman. No. But we saw Matt Barkley. Matt Barkley hasn't played in two freaking years. The Bills picked this man up off the fucking street. Well, he could be for, uh, what's the uh, the other segment? Off the bench, no? He, he came in hot off the bench. He could be the bench, the bench player of the week. Oh, he ooh, might have shit. to, he could right? be not ooh. Listening to uh, the third section of our show. Yeah. We'll find out. <laughs> yes. But, so, all right. So, the game was, it was a shit show. Matt Barkley comes in. It was a shocker to all of us. We, we figured this out as we were getting there. He threw for 232 yards, two touchdowns. And the Jets, this is the most embarrassing loss I think I've ever seen from the New York Jets. I'm not a Jet fan. I went. Uh, we actually missed the first six or seven plays. But we saw them outside of the stadium, the big jumbo trying outside of the stadium. And we left around a couple of minutes into the third quarter. You got sick of it? Oh, we all were. I mean, I didn't give a shit. I, I was just laughing. But to my friends Did are I Jet fans. Did I see you fans. wearing Giants stuff? There? I was wearing Giants shit. one of those guys? Yeah, I, was, those. I was repping. Look, I can't be repping the Bill shit. You don't have to rep anything. True, Go. but I, I, want, I wore my giant stuff last year. But if you got to think here, Sean McDermott, now he looks like a fucking smart dude that he put Matt Barkley in. I mean, uh, I, I don't know. So, Liam, if you are Jets ownership, do you fire Todd Bowles? They said they weren't going to in midseason. They're going to look at it towards the end of the year. I think he should have been fired mid-game. That's how bad it was. I think you got to fire him because – all of the young QBs coming in the league now, all their success is with having, I guess, you know, like younger play callers, younger coordinators. Like you have Jared Goff with Sean McVay and just, you know, a ton of new guys. Kyle Shanahan. Up. Exactly. So I think, you know what, maybe it's time for the Jets to get rid of Bowles and move on to a younger, more relatable head coach who's more of a QB guy and can work with Darnold to get him going and help the team. I mean, look. There's so there, there's. I think two guys that come to mind that are, you know, they're they're not in the NFL right now. They're not young. I mean, one of them's young. One of them has a lot of experience, though. 
Lincoln Riley, the young guy from Oklahoma, he's rumored to go to the Browns. He said he doesn't want to leave Oklahoma. He's got something nice there. I heard Cowboys, too. And he could be go to the Cowboys. But I think of a guy that has a ton of experience in winning at the college level. Why don't you put him into the NFL? Les Miles. Doesn't have a job. Killed it at LSU for so long. National champion. Knows how to recruit. Knows how to hang out. Knows how to... In- how, knows how to work with young players. Is that a guy you're going to want to maybe bring in? Because Todd Bowles, we were talking about, me and my buddy was talking about, we, he should have been fired already to begin with. He should have been fired weeks ago, but he got fired. He should have been fired, I think, at halftime. And then the ownership said, GM said, we're not going to fire him now. I think it was absolute bullshit. He should have been done. It looks terrible on the Jets, Jets in general, and the fan base. I mean, I think that's just. Typical Jets, Mets, Knicks. You know what? It's not not a bad comparison. So let's move on to, you know, the main reason why you wanted to go to this game. You wanted to see our favorite bench guy who actually, you know, turned into not a bench guy somehow, Nathan Peterman. Turn out to fucking start. <laughs> Bills fans started a GoFundMe to pay Nathan Peterman to retire from the NFL. Their goal was a million dollars. What did they hit? You know what? I really don't know. I think when I first looked, it was like right when they started it, so it was only like 110 bucks. But Peterman was released Monday, so how much was how much was the end of his contract? Like they were trying to. No, they. You know what? They just saw that Matt Barkley was a lot better than Nathan Peterman. Oh, I see. And they said, "Fucking peace out, dude." And then because now they met Matt Barkley, Derek Anderson, and then they have you know Josh Allen, who has been hurt for so long. But it was. This is, I mean, Rex Ryan was on uh, Get Up yesterday. Or no, I'm sorry, this morning, Monday. And Rex Ryan coached the Jets for a while, and, you know, and he hasn't had a job since. And he went off and said that that's the worst loss in Jets history. Pa- paraphrasing. Mm. It's the worst loss he's ever seen. And he's, he's, he's a Jet fan still. He coached there for, for a while. He brought him to a, a, a championship game. You know, and... An AFC Championship game, so it's a guy that used to coach is bashing the coach already. It sounded like Rex Ryan was kind of preaching, you know, we try to get him back into the NFL. It almost looked like he was trying to get his job back, almost. But he was talking so much shit about him. Bring back fat Rex Ryan. That's what (laughs) I want to see. Big fat Rex Ryan. But uh, it was it was ugly, dude. Absolutely fucking ugly. Well, I was I forgot. I think I was listening to the radio or something, and they were like, apparently the Bills have like a terrible offense but their defense isn't that bad no they're all shit oh is it they're all just shit yeah, their defense is definitely better than their offense but they're just shitting in general yeah for sure when your you know number one ride wide receiver is like a, a tight end and can't catch aka kelvin benjamin's yes. fucking fat as shit dude he needs exactly. to, That's like what he's, I'm he's a wide receiver but he looks like a fucking offensive lineman i heard it's another person that you're better than no, he's better than Definitely that. not, but Booger McFarland, who's riding around in the Boogermobile, he said, like, word for word, this guy is one Popeye's biscuit away from being a tight end. <laughs> That's awesome. It really is great. All right, so let's move on to the Saints. Mm-hmm. Making a lot of wide receiver moves recently. Des Bryant tore his ACL in his second practice. You said the last play of the game, Taylor? Last right? play of the practice. Oh, yeah, last play of the practice. No, tore not his ACL, his Achilles. His Achilles. Yes, his Achilles. There you go. Um, so the Saints went out and signed Brandon Marshall, who is still trying to get to the playoffs in his 13th season. I feel like every single year for at least the last like three or four years, he's signed with teams that look like they're going to make to the playoffs, and then 
last minute they just crap out and now young it. young Brendan Marshall was very good. He was a stud, but he was Broncos also a and Bears cancer. and he's locker cancer. Right, he was he was the definition of a wide receiver diva. Absolutely, like the, like a like a Terrell Owens. And Why? What was he doing in the locker room? He was just bitching and moaning. He also had like I think some serious bipolar issues. Yeah, he had some like mental health issues. He's like on you know medication now. And taking he's also like, like, he's also like one of those activists too that that's like promoting and, yeah, and yeah, saying he's very like, for it, very for it. But this is the replacement for Des Bryant and a Marshall. I mean, so I mean, Des Bryant is still decent. He's better than a lot of I think a lot of other receivers in the, in the National Football League. But Marshall, I think, is way past that. He is, I mean, towards the end of his jet career, he, he wasn't that great, you know, Marshall. And, and I, I think, yeah, they do need receivers, the Saints, because a lot of them are hurt. All they have, I mean, they have a great guys left that are healthy in Thomas, Kamara, Ingram, and and, uh, and Watson, but they have a bunch of guys that are, that are, that are third or fourth string receivers that are playing. Tegu Jr. is hurt. They have Karen Meredith who's hurt. Those are guys that they sign, and they those are guys who are supposed to be reliable Twos and three receivers, and they're and they're out. So they're 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 going with backups, and then they have their number one receiver. So, it, I think adding Marshall is is a is a good fit, but I don't know how much of a, how how successful it's going to be. Yeah, I mean, and how long? I, how long? I mean, we they were saying Des might may have started this past weekend. I wouldn't be surprised after you see Cooper getting uh, you know traded to the Cowboys and starting right away, and Demarius Thomas getting traded to the Texans and signing right away. So I think. Des would have started this weekend, but it was awesome just to see all his, you know, I guess technically teammates, maybe not teammates anymore. Uh, Michael Thomas, Kamara, uh, Alvin Kamara, Ingram, Ingram, yeah. all throwing up the X after they scored a touchdown as like an ode to Des Bryant. That was which I cool. thought that was awesome, and the fact that he was only there for what seventy-two hours, yeah, forty-eight exactly. hours, like three days, two practices. Yeah. So let's move on to Taylor's guy, Baker Mayfield, my boy. Browns surprised everyone, I think, in the world. Taking out the Falcons handily. Oh yeah, I was. Uh, was I shocked? Yeah, because the, the Falcons have been playing very well offensively the last couple games. I mean, all season the offense has been actually great. Julio scored last weekend. Everyone thought that was a miracle, but the fact that Baker, my boy, man, was feeling dangerous. That quote that that post game press conference was fantastic. Woke up felt feeling dangerous. It's absolutely. It was so funny. Yeah, that was that was one of the actually though one of the things that I saw while I was over there. Yeah. I didn't have service like almost the entire. Time. I know you didn't. You, <laughs> yeah, I was. You text- said you had like a billion text messages from us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'd like I'd come home back to the apartment, uh, not the apartment, like the B and B or whatever, and yeah. then like my Wi Fi would kick on. I had the like. 300 missed messages just from group chats and everything. I'm like, I'm not reading any of this crap. And then, like, I'd go through my Instagram and see a few things about sports, and I was like, I was just shot and went right to bed. So I was a little out of the sports world for a couple days. Yeah, Baker went 17 of 20, three touchdowns. Nick Chubb had uh, 176 rushing touchdowns, and he also had a receiving touchdown. So I was fucking hyped. I don't know about you guys. I I loved it, and I mean – when Baker was at Ohio, I mean not Ohio, at Oklahoma, and me as an Ohio State fan, I absolutely hated his guts, especially when you know, of course everyone knows, put the flag straight in the middle of the field. Yeah. But after watching him on Hard Knocks and just seeing, I guess, his progression into the NFL, I absolutely love it. And this post game presser was like one of the favorites I've ever watched. I absolutely loved it. Oh, and, and that's 
that's the attitude that the Browns wanted all along. They want that. It's a little cockiness. It's confidence. It's excitement. That's what the Browns wanted. That's what they all wanted. And that's what the fans wanted. They wanted that player. He's electric. Every time he's out there, he's electric. I mean, as he had a, as he had a, 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 a rookie season that people were, you know, kind of looking at, like, is he going to be kind of an average player in his first year? You know what? He's not doing that. Not terrible, but he's not put on Patrick Mahomes numbers in his second year, you know? Yeah, for sure. But I'm uh, I'm happy, and that should be on a bunch of T-shirts, I think, very soon. It's very soon. That quote, I woke up dangerous, whatever he said. Woke whoever up whoever has that T-shirt, I'm buying it, so get ready. Yeah, I'm going to spend some guap on that, too. I've already bought it, so many Baker Mayfield T-shirts and shit. Big Baker Mayfield guy. Oh, huge. All right, so that was well, you know probably our favorite moment from uh, this past NFL weekend. My runner-up to that has got to be Cody Parkey, yeah. Bears kicker, being the most accurate kicker of my entire life. Unaccurate, accurate. I don't know. I think it. that's pretty damn accurate. If you drill the upright four times in one game, I don't. Uh, you, you, I mean, you you see nowadays got kickers that fuck up on Sundays. The next day they're fucking gone. Oh yeah, the NFL has had no no care in the world about these kickers. No, I'm wondering. If, one bad game, they're gone. I wonder if he'll get. I mean, I I don't know. I don't remember. I didn't. I don't remember seeing anything. If he was gone, if he was let go, I don't believe he Bears. was yet. He's a, he's a good, good he's a good kicker, but I thought that was pretty that was pretty funny how accurate slash inaccurate you want to say it was every time, and I loved watched it on watched the replay and they muted out the broadcast and they just you just heard the thump. <laughs> I oh. love that that thump of the ball hitting the field goal is easy top five in sports noises, right behind like the crossbar ding, great but great noise. Yes, I think the crack of the bat. Oh, okay, that's up there. Always nice. Yeah, that gets you going. A little crack of the bat. Yeah, it gets me going. <laughs> it gets me amped. It gets me amped. All right, let's move over to some college football. Our teams. We're going to talk about our teams for a little bit. Ohio State versus Michigan State. Big W for Ohio State. Give me your thoughts, Liam. I was pretty happy with the win. They won 26-6. Uh, to I definitely expected a little better of a game coming into it, but Michigan State have a, had a bunch of people hurt. Uh, overall, happy with the win. Um, going to be in Ohio this upcoming Saturday. So hey. be able to create some content out there, and I'll be at the Maryland game. So, uh, you know, unless uh, everything just turns straight to hell, they'll get that win and then move on to Michigan to see who's going to be playing in the Big Ten Championship against Northwestern. So this past weekend, there wasn't that many... It was a quiet weekend. I mean, I would say quiet weekend it, for for matchups. We got spoiled last weekend, uh, two weekends ago with LSU, Bama, and these great games, Georgia, Kentucky. This year was more of this. This week was more of uh, ranked teams versus you know unranked kind of shitty teams. But for me, Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, it was it was a fucking bloodbath. Forty eight, forty seven. I've said this over and over again. Oklahoma's defense is atrocious. And they and I'm gonna be honest with you right now, I'm gonna say my statement right now, fucking put it in the books. If they get into the playoff, it's a joke. I think a, I think a lot of stuff would have to happen for them to get in the they, playoffs. No, they, they, I, I think they should not be in it. They don't deserve it because their their defense has left so many fucking points. They're lucky they got they lucky they fucking won this game. 
501 passing yards. T- Taylor Cornelius. Do you ever heard that fucking guy? Never. Not in my life. 34 for 53. 501 yards passing. I once averaged a fucking first down. Well, I once averaged 10 yards of passing. Three touchdowns. Their running back rushed for 104. Not happy with the Oklahoma defense. No. It's fucking terrible. I mean, I'm happy that Ken- uh, Kennedy Brooks, who was one of the Many running backs Oklahoma has. He's rushed for 165 yards, three touchdowns. Kyler Murray played great. It's just this defense is not good at all. And, of course, Alabama shut out, uh, what was it? Um, they shut out, they shut out uh, Mississippi State. Big W for them. I was listening, to, I was listening on the radio. They, we were, they were trying to say, like, how in the world is a team going to beat this Alabama team? And I feel like it's more of two when needs to get hurt, Hurts has been hurt. Hurts has been hurt all year. If they bring the, if they bring Mac Jones, the third string quarterback, in, he looked uh, he, three of six for negative one yards. Horrible, passing. horrible. And wasn't they couldn't get anything sh- going. Wasn't a lot showing, but I think that's the only way. If guys just get hurt, and that unfortunately, mm, I don't see that happening because I mean. Tua did get hurt a little bit last a couple, a couple weeks ago, and Hurts has also been hurt for the whole season. That's the, I think this team's going to win, win the whole fucking thing. I really hope they don't. There's no way they're not. There's no way they're not. After after the beating they put on LSU, yeah. I don't see anyone stopping them. It's one of the better teams that uh, that Nick Saban's had, which is funny because he's won so many fucking national championships. All right, now we'll transfer over. Let, oh, we still have, actually, I'm sorry, our top one of our top topics for tonight, Tom Herman versus Zach Smith. Scumbag versus alleged scumbag. Yes. That's a very good way of putting it, actually. The battle of the scums. Yeah, this is a, this is a battle I think has just got started. Yeah, this is going to be a lasting feud that we will definitely be covering. And for us podcasters, if you want to call us media people, if you want to call us journalists, whatever you want to call us, this is perfect material. Absolutely perfect. Because the drama, the storyline, I mean, look, the whole storyline together is terrible. Cheating on wives, going to masseuses and shit, and, and awkward shit, weird shit. But for us, content-wise, liquid gold. Liquid gold. If you so. haven't seen it, please go on Twitter, at Coach Zach with an H Smith. <laughs> look, he went on a freaking crazy Twitter rant. Taking shots at everyone and their mother, especially Tom Herman, saying, "Oh, I, you know, physically saw you going into these uh, Asian masseuse places, getting rubbing tugs." Not Call good. Him coward, calling him out on Twitter and also through text message too. It was it was super ugly, but the fact that Zach Smith, like Zach Smith, came out of nowhere, it's been a couple months. He was pretty much quiet on social media all throughout, you know, his proceedings or whatever he was doing. It was it was interesting, and the fact that he took screenshots and put them on Twitter really threw Tom onto the bus. And Tom gave zero fucks. The okay, cool. Hook him. Okay, cool. Hook him. That's gonna be like the new the new phrase, like um, weird flex. Okay. Oh, next time, uh, next time Texas has a college game day there, you can bet your ass there's gonna be so many okay, cool, hook him signs. Oh, oh yeah, but I'm telling you, this is gonna be the. I think this would be the new wave, like the, um, what what I just say. Weird flex, weird but okay. flex, okay, but okay. I love that though. I but what's that. what are some other ones that we've heard? I mean, there's 
There's some weird shit. The weird sayings, but that's gonna be the next one. I, I have a f- weird feeling. I think people are gonna start catching on. But it's uh, if you're Tom Herman, I mean, what do you do from that? What do you? Where do you go from this? I mean, obviously, first thing you have to do is talk to your wife about it, since she's obviously gonna hear about it from social media or friends or whatever. So you have to deal with her. And Zach Smith came out and said that they've supposedly been in and out of talking about divorce and Herman's wife has been wanting to get a divorce for the last six years, which I don't know. Six years seems like a while to like, he, I mean, he might divor- just divorce processes up. usually take a long time, but six but years, six years is long. That's long as shit. But maybe I mean, now I would, I wouldn't know personally. Yeah. I mean, my parents are divorced, but whatever, but me personally, I wouldn't know, but six years does seem a little long, right? So maybe if the whole Robin Tuck stories are true, It'll uh, maybe be seven years. But, but the fact that he, that Zach Smith also, uh, let's just say, one of the biggest idiots there is, he said that I witnessed you. You're also throwing yourself onto the bus that you were there and you did this stuff. I mean, like, he probably cheated on his oh, wife together? I don't know. But the fact he said, like, I witnessed oh, you oh. doing it. I witnessed you with this woman or these women. He's throwing himself under the bus. Yeah, years later. Yeah. Not saying anything prior. Just fucking weird. And this is just the beginning. We should just have a segment. Harmon versus Smith. That, that'll be like whenever it comes up. And I guarantee you it's coming up a lot more. But let's turn over something positive. Joe Maurer officially retired after 15 years of playing the major leagues. He he announced it over the weekend. He, he made a, a nice... Uh, he wrote a little letter to the fans. Twins fans. Twins territory. Uh, if you guys have heard, I did work for the Twins this past year. I had the opportunity to be up close and personal. I had conversations with him and, and being around Joe. I'm telling you right now, people told me as soon as I got there, I asked, who's the guy that's be like super cool? You know, normal guy. It's not a lot of them, they said. People I worked with, they said Joe Maurer is the exception. That's the guy every single day. He's going to be super friendly. Very relaxed. Have a conversation with you. How often did you see him? Well, I never home. I saw him every day. Uh huh. But I, it was very hard to talk to him because he was, when you get to a certain status, I guess of. Yeah, like me. It's hard to talk to me. I can talk to you whenever the fuck I want. <laughs> but Joe, he was very hard to talk to. Not not in the interview, interview way. No, he was easy to talk to. It was just hard to get to. Correct. Bingo. Yeah. Yes. Thank you for fixing that. That's cool though. Yeah, and he he retired, and he had his press conference today, and he had about, I watched it today, he had about 20 or 30 or so of his past high school coaches, college coaches, not college, he went from high school to pros, high school, um, former major league managers, former teammates, former GMs that signed him, gave him the chance. Remember, this guy is a Minnesota guy. He's from the area. He was a Twins fan before he was on the Twins. Did he grow up there? Yeah. Oh, really? How yeah. old is he? Oh, I want to say 37. Stats guy. Stats zone. Let's go. That's all you. But he he was a guy that 35. All right, so 35. Remember, this guy's had multiple concussions. He's battled through so many injuries. If you look up his stats, he's one of the best catchers. When catching, one of the best catchers at the time in the league. And I have some stats here that show that... So. When he was a lead catcher from 2006 to 2013. This is for, according to um, 
MLB Network. Joe was had the best batting average as a catcher, about a three thirty two. This is the MLB ranking as catchers from 2006 to 2013. So on average, he batted three thirty two. He was tied for fifth. He was fifth on, in, in the league as catcher in RBIs, first in on-base, first in slugging, and fifth in extra base hits. Those stats are, you'd have a minimum of 2,000 plate appearances as a catcher. Do you think, Liam, that Joe Maurer's Hall of Famer? 100%. Explain. I mean, now, everyone you, knows you, you can look at his stats the last the, from 13 on. He was an absolute stud defensively for, yeah. you know, at least a decade. And then that year he won MVP, batted 365 with 28 home runs, 96 ribbies, and even four stolen bases. But when does a catcher <laughs> ever produce like that? But it's also, uh, he's a catcher. He's a catcher. Catcher, they don't, it's We're so. Talking Mike Piazza. Yeah, Another almost. Like, it, a lot of catchers don't win this award. Buster Posey's a guy you could, that, that has won the award. But the MVP award as a catcher is so hard to find. But the the injuries that he had towards the end of his career really cost him to really get those high high stats when it comes to the 3,000 hits or the certain amount of home runs. It's 143 home runs career. Lifetime average, I think, 306. See, all right, so stats, stats, by, stats from Stone. In the last 50 years, five catchers have won the MVP award. In the American League, Joe Maurer, Pudge, Rodriguez, Thurman Munson. R.I.P. Yeah, and Johnny Bench won the National League. But you got to think, this award is, winning MVP is so big. Three-time batting champion, MVP, three-time Gold Glover winner. A lot of people say he's not an MVP, because not a Hall of Famer, because of all the concussions towards the end of his career. That's why he had to move from catcher to first base. I still think with his stats and just, he has that like notoriety about him. When you hear Joe Maurer, you just instantly think like, He's one of those guys like Derek Jeter, uh, you know, no, no other names are coming to my head at the moment, but just Mariano those names. Rivera. Exactly. You hear, you just think, classy, classy, baseball guy, and just a good person overall, and he had the numbers. He, an example of how nice he is, listen to this. So the last day, of the uh, last home game of the year, last home game, was the last regular season where he had all the, where he hit his double on his last at bat where he caught for one pitch. All dramatic. So as he's coming into the stadium, this is what I heard from uh, someone I worked with. He, you have to go through the security gate, right? And at the booth, there's someone that works at the booth. He stopped what he was doing. He was in his car, and there was a line behind him. No one honked because it was Joe Maurer. But he was he had a conversation with the security guard at the booth. I guarantee you, I would say 99% of players or people in general, we'll just keep going straight and not have a conversation with them. And he took the time to have a conversation with this guy for five minutes. And he did, that's just the type of guy that he is. He has conversations with everybody. He, he signs autographs all the time. And he's friendly every single time. Now, do we see what he really acts like behind the scenes in the dugout or in the showers? And he's No, we don't see that. But what we do see, what we do see is how nice he is all the time. Now, would voters think that? Like, voters put that into perspective? I don't think so. But I think if you're gonna try getting this guy into the Hall of Fame, you gotta look at his ca- uh, stats. He's a as love, catcher. love for the game kind of guy, you know, like David Wright. 
Same kind of person. Yes, Great example there. Exactly. The guy played his whole career, all 15 years here. And did you guys know this guy was a stud in high school? Baseball. Everything, right? He played basketball. a bunch of sports. He was the number one high school football recruit in the country his senior high school. Quarterback. And then he played baseball in college? No. He played baseball in high school and got drafted out of high school number one overall by the Twins. Oh. He could have played, I think, Florida State, I want to say. Football? football? But he decided to go to baseball, which is a you know longer career. Worked out. Worked out real well. But I'm very happy that he had a successful career. And... uh Go Joe Mauer. Even with all the injuries that are not like injuries, but concussions and stuff that you're talking about, he still played a shit ton of games. Yeah, it, throughout like 2014, 120, 2013, 113. It got back up. Is that a little low? Catchers usually gonna, play yeah. 135, 140 games a year, right? But see, like in 2015, he played 158 as a first baseman. He wasn't catching anymore. And that's when you started seeing him play more, but his production went way down because he's getting older. And uh, but the average was always there. Career, career average three hundred six, stand up dude. Um, but what he didn't win was a rookie of the year. Let's get into the rookie of the year winners, bro. I am so pissed. I'm fucking livid, right? I, this this makes me very unhappy. So, rookie of the year candidates this year for the American League, which we're gonna really gonna focus on, is. Was Shadeo Otani, Gleber Torres, and Miguel Andujar. Miguel Andujar was fucking snubbed. Facts. This, honestly, I I almost don't even want to talk about this because I'm so mad he didn't win it. It's a real bummer to be honest. Otani, Otani, yeah, Otani had a great year, but he was also hurt for quite a long time. He pitched. He that's the thing. I think that's what the voters, what the writers are, are looking at. That he want that he pitched and he pitched at a very good very, very, very good at a high level. And he also hit he also crushed the fucking ball too. So Shade Otani right there, Austin, if you're seeing on your screen right there at twenty eighteen. Um pitcher slash DH. He could have got the surgery this year and he could have been done. Do you think this was the right? I mean, clearly not. You were you're pissed about it. I mean, I think. You know what? I think I understand how the voters, I guess, voted because he did pitch and he did hit, and that's really nothing you really see. You haven't seen since Beirut. So last year he went four and two, three three one ERA, sixty three strikeouts, as a pitcher, and then batted two eighty five, twenty two home runs, sixty one RBIs. It's fucking unreal. That that fucking happened. As a fucking rookie, I mean, yes, he's he's uh, twenty five years old. I want to say, if you want to scroll, uh, yeah, I think he was twenty five. I think he's twenty five years old, twenty four. So he he fucking killed it in in the in Japan. Comes over here, dominates here, but but Andujar fucking annihilated this year. And Gleyber Torres, let's not forget about him. Yeah, so Andujar batted two ninety seven, twenty seven home runs, ninety two ribbies with a three twenty eight OBP. I just I don't get it. I understand Otani did both, but when you just have someone who plays as consistent as Andahar did as a rookie and taken over, it's not an easy position. Obviously, I get Otani pitched, but he also played DH, so he just had to worry about hitting. Andahar's defense wasn't the best, but normally that's not factored in to rookie of the year. It's just you know based on offensive statistics. I don't see how Andahar lost. Do you think it's because 
Otani's a pitcher? Absolutely. Yes. You think that's what it is? Absolutely. Well, I was thinking, like, is, like, the game of baseball changing now where, like, players coming in are – I feel like pitchers in the past haven't really been the best hitters. Pitchers never were good at hitting. Now, is is that like changing as we're as no. like we're progressing? Pit, pit, Pitchers I mean, still aren't focusing on hitting at all. No, no, absolutely not. No, no, and that's and this is why it's a it's a that's why he won, is because of his pitching, and and he was a very very good hitter as a as a guy who was trying has been trying to adapt to major league pitching, which is a lot better than uh, pitching in Japan. So, uh, kind of fucked up. And uh, Ronald Acuna won for the Nash for the National League. I thought that was a clear cut. I mean, honestly, uh, what's his name? Uh, Juan Soto and Walker Bueller, very good candidates. I'm gonna say right now, Walker Bueller, Bueller should be a Cy Young in the next five years. Oh, okay. I I'll th- remember that. He's a fucking he's fucking unreal. Guy guy is he he can he shows that he could pitch in the postseason. He dominated his rookie year, but Juan Soto was also night was 19 years old, turned 20 this past year. I'm pretty sure, and he fucking killed it too. But I think Ronald Cunha as a leadoff hitter, the amount of leadoff home runs he's had, what he contributed at the plate as a young hitter in the postseason. He played in the postseason as well. And he's a stellar defender as well. So I think that was a good choice. As, and as much as it sucks, I'm always going to have something against Otani just because of this. I think, yeah, me too. Absolutely. It's like in the back of my mind, like it might even be subconscious. It's like I'm not going to like him because, you know, he, it's one, he took it's this It's just from one extra thing that the Yankees did not win this year. Juan Soto's 20, by the way. Isn't that fucking unreal? And he was killing it. 20 home runs, 70, uh, 70 driven in, about 292 this year as a rookie. He's 19 years old. What the fuck were you doing at 19? Do you guys remember that? What were you guys doing at 19 years old? Getting drunk at school. Liam? Same. Yeah. We went to school together, so we were getting drunk together at school. And Boom. Yeah, and I, I was playing college baseball at Division three, but also getting drunk as well. All and right, this, so guy's, this guy's killing it. I, I, I'm not going to go into it. Let's move on to the NBA. A your lot boy, of news. Jimmer range. Oh, you want to talk about Jimmer? Oh, we'll talk about the other Jimmer. Yeah, we'll talk, about, we'll talk about Jimmer, you know, later on in our uh, after the interview. But Jimmy Butler, Jimmy Buckets traded to the 76ers. The Timberwolves traded Jimmy Butler and oh, I can't even think of his name right now. It's not James. Something Patton. He's a center. He was picked last year in the draft, number 16. Justin Patton. He's yeah. pretty good, actually, out of Creighton. Uh, for Dario Saric, Covington, and a 2022 second-round pick. I think the Timberwolves, they they just had no leverage in this situation because everyone knew Jimmy was not happy there. Jimmy was just sitting out games because, you know, he he was tired, you know, quote, Bullshit. unquote. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So Sixers got an absolute steal. Yes, they did lose Sarge, who was a good player for them. They did lose Covington, who was a starter. Good three-point shooter. Exactly. But I think this was a move, and especially if Butler re-signs with them, this is going to be one of those moves that this is ending the process. I think the process has been over. But I think – I'll ask you this. Why wouldn't the Timberwolves take in that Rockets uh, proposal, trade proposal, of four for, – four Future first round picks. Is it because they see the Rockets are going to be a very good team and the, and the picks are going to be low? Yeah, I mean, also, if they're going to get those four picks, they're pretty much all guaranteed to be picks 20 through 30. So they're not going to be high, high picks. And I think 
the Rockets uh, and Daryl Morey, who's a GM, only had that offer up for, I think, like a day or two. So probably by the time they started getting other offers in and comparing it to that, the Rockets pulled their offer, and it was too late. And they were like, all right, well, Sixers' offer is the best we got. We got to go with it. Jimmy Butler, the player, fantastic. Top 20 player in the league. Jimmy Butler, the teammate, is terrible. I think he was a terrible teammate in Minnesota. I think it was a... You know what? Originally, with Tibbs, and then Derrick Rose was there, and you have Butler there, and you had... I, uh, uh, it was almost a perfect fit. And then you just see that Butler was being selfish. He, he saw that these guys were being, quote-unquote, soft... Towns and Wiggins. I mean, I think he made Wiggins look like a pussy, to be honest with you. Honestly, I don't. I, I like Jimmy, and I like him as a teammate because I think you got to be a hard ass on these guys, especially young guys. Because if they're not working hard, he's not gonna. He's he's not gonna just say it to say it. If they're not working hard, they're obviously not working hard. And this is from an NBA vet who's been in the league, you know, probably at least seven or eight years. So I kind of give him the benefit of the doubt when he says they're not working hard, so I'm going to get on their ass. But just to see Towns and Wiggins, like, you know, tweet at him after saying, like, oh, good luck, like, you are a great teammate. That's bullshit. 100%. Bullshit. They fucking hated him. Exactly. They hated him. Jimmy hated them. Just, it is what it is. Let, what, it, let remember, it go. Do you remember when uh he get, he sent over uh Tyus Jones in his private plane? To the Duke game, and Ty was like, "Oh, he's a great teammate. Home, really, really happy he gave me the opportunity to come here." I think that was a little of him saving face. He had his, you know, his private jet. He could loan out for a night. He probably wasn't going anywhere. Yeah, it made Jimmy look great. But I think, I think everyone hated him, and I'm sure everyone was drinking champagne and fucking hitting the fireworks up that he was gone. But right. now, talk about the Sixers now with Simmons and Bead, and now Butler. Is that a new big three? Is this is this a team that's going to? You have the so you have the Sixers, Raptors, and the Celtics in the Eastern Conference. Those are the three teams that are going to compete for the go to the to go to the, uh, the NBA Finals. I think the Celtics are still the, the, the favorite right now, with guys like Kyrie and Hayward are, are slow starters right now. But I feel like with that roster and how depth how deep that roster is, I really think they still have a shot to go to the NBA Finals. But do you think adding Butler would maybe leap them over the Celtics? I don't think so because I think, like you said, Gordon Hayward's out right now. Not out, but uh, he's working back from getting out. So he obviously is on a minutes restriction. He's going to, you know, I guess adapt to more of the pace of play. And then once he gets used to it, I think the Celtics are going to be off and running. Like you said, they have a ton of depth. And as long as they don't trade anyone midseason like Terry Rozier, he can start on majority of teams in the NBA. Exactly. So I'm hoping they don't trade him and he oh, can stay are. on their team because I, I, I don't know what it is with New York fans against Celtic fans, like Knicks fans, Celtics fans. I guess, you know, technically it's a rivalry, but I have I haven't been in basketball long enough that it's been a rivalry. It's always just been an ass kicking for the Knicks. But Kyrie came out and said, We need a guy on our team, a fourteen or fifteen year vet, who can show us, you know, it's it's a marathon, not a sprint. And who I think he's who's who I think he is alluding to, who has I guess been in the rumor mill of being out is Mello. Oh. Look at that. You like that spin right there? A little I transition. I, I like I love that. So unnamed Houston Rockets players and assistant coaches have been on record saying that they think Mello has played his last game in Houston. 
We got to get Jake Asman on the show again. That's our insider, Houston insider. He might give us a scoop, but for right now, I feel like they are bashing Mello, making him look like such a bad dude. I mean, you, you see his teammates, D, his, his, his boys, D-Wade, LeBron are getting that on Twitter. Other teammates, former teammates of his that are saying that, you know, why are you making him look like the bad guy? Or, or is he the bad guy in your eyes, Liam? I don't think he is. Is he bitching too much? No. I like it. It's just, it's, it's every place he goes to now. The Thunder didn't work out. The Rockets, who, look, you know, I mean, remember the, the joking around he would say, I was going to ask him in the press conference saying, yeah, but, I mean, that's will just, you come off the bench? Me? That's just mellow. But he has to understand his 25 points per game is gone. That's long gone. He's not a superstar anymore. He isn't even a star anymore. Not at all. He's, he's a he's, role player. Yeah, now. he's a role player. But, he, three I, point but that's the thing. He doesn't, he, through his thick skull, he still thinks he's a star in, the, in, the, in this league. And he's not. He's a great player. He's a good player. He's a good player. He's a guy who will give you 14 or 15 points. I think he, he's just one of those guys who had, he, he rose to that stature where he was such a stud. He was, you know, almost guaranteeing you 30 points a night to where, you know, maybe it's not, it's not given to where he should be able to say these things, but it's kind of earned to where he's put in the work, he's put in the time, he obviously put up the numbers. He can be a little more controversial and outgoing about what he says. Well, I think it's just something we, we're going to have to keep our tabs keep tabs on. Do you think he's going to leave the Rockets? I think so. And go where? Uh, he's not coming back to New York. No, definitely not. Um, where Where's a good fit for him? That's the thing. Is he to go to L.A. with the Lakers and go play with his boy LeBron? Oh, no, because that would just be a shit show to already a, a dumpster garbage team. that matter of vegetables, matter of weird. That we, they got, exactly. It would increase the weird level on that team. What I think realistically would be Celtics or the Trailblazers because those are two teams. Celtics, who need, really, with all the depth they already have? I Honestly, I and they're all I think ge- And the thing is, they're, they're all gelling. They have a great chemistry. Mel would have to eat his pride to go to the Celtics. And no, he's not, he, he's he not going to play though. 20 minutes. But that's the thing. He hasn't. He hasn't. He still has this fucking superstar mentality in his brain, which which needs to change, or he's or no one's going to fucking take him. No, Someone's that's, true. Take that's him. true. Someone's going to take him, but it's my, th- you might see this again for the third straight team. Portland Trailblazers might be a cool team to see him on. I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind having that. He would look pretty cool in a Trailblazers jersey. But but is he? Like, that's the thing. He's got to just realize. He's like, dude, I can't start anymore. Look at D Wade, dude. D Wade's emerging to that role of look. I've won my rings already. Now Melo, of course, he hasn't won a ring yet. Yep. But just look at. I know it's almost a little different, but D Wade and Melo were fucking superstars in this league when the, in their prime. D Wade is now look. I'm fucking old. I've played in this league long fucking time. I've won rings. I've done scoring titles. I've done this and that. Now it's my turn to come off the bench. Now I know the Heat aren't any fucking shot of winning the title or making the playoffs. But now he knows that he he has this role of teaching the young guys how to play the game right. Now Melo, he still has a shot of going to the playoffs and maybe try getting a ring, whatever team he gets on. But maybe he should kind of open, you know, fucking will be open-minded and fucking work work with a team that has a bunch of young studs that has a shot going to the playoffs and come off the bench or not even come off the bench to be a six man. I mean, that's still some of the bench, but I don't know. The only team that's going to win anything is the Warriors. I agree. Yeah. 
that's you get you gotta go to them to win at something. Otherwise, he, I'll tell you what, he's fucking off the bench in that team too. You heard it here first. Mel to the Warriors. If that fucking happens, that'd be insane. But you gotta you gotta so many egos on that team too. Yeah, who would you even get rid of? I I don't know. That's a lot. I don't, I don't, I don't, how much money does he have left on the contract? He he ah. Uh... Oh, you know what? Good point. Oh, no. He signed a new contract. Right. It was like one, a one-year, right. eight mil, nothing crazy. It was like a... My, honestly, it might have even been a vet minimum, but I'm pretty sure he I, got a little more than the vet minimum. Look, Melo can still play. Let's move on to another Melo. Love Melo. I need... I went off a rant. No, way. I like that. That's what we need. Uh, Love Melo Ball. He obviously left playing for Prieni, his uh, Prieni Vitalis BC. His team in you know whatever European country he was in playing <laughs> in that crappy league, uh, he moved to Spire Institute. It's like a big a basketball school in Ohio. Like high school? Yeah, it's a high school. Okay. First game, he put up twenty points and ten assists. Pretty good, right? The uh, crowd was chanting "Overrated" <gasps> for pretty much a whole quarter. But now there's a whole, whole shit show going on with can he actually play in high school athletics? And he he says he wants to play at a big college school. Can he play college athletics? Because he was technically a professional. LeVar Ball came out and said, oh, he didn't get paid, but he signed a contract. Make Bullshit. him a professional. We talked about this last year. Remember that we talked about this last year? Yeah. Playing overseas. Was it Lithuania? Lithuania. There you go. There you go. Um, I think he, he he's terrible. I think the only good player out of that, out of that family is, is Lonzo. He was ranked uh, 15th in his class during his sophomore year. So, we're going to see, but do you think he should be able to play? Because one, uh, I don't remember the name of the team, but one high school team that Spire Institute and LaMelo were going to play against backed out because they said, we don't want our athletes playing against unfair competition because someone on Spire played professionally, a.k.a. LaMelo. Look, if you sign a contract, it's I think it's pretty simple. You sign on the dotted line that I'm going to play for this team for so-and-so games and get for what we know, got paid. Then you are a paid professional athlete. So, what team was he? What did he sign for? It was uh, I don't know how long the contract was, but it was he signed for some Lithuanian team. Two which, years. Two which years. Is professional. It was a professional European team. Professional team. Yeah. Oh, they I were see. fucking garbage. No one came to their games. There was like thirty people in the stands, whatever. But it was professional. That's the difference. Now I, I don't know what the rules are with European players coming, playing professionally in Europe, then coming over to the United States and and playing in the collegiate level. Mm-hmm. I don't know the rules behind that. It does sound a little fishy, but well, like I know the one thing that I do know with sports is if you're if you go to the Olympics or are considered an Olympian, you can declare that, then you're not eligible for NCAA sports. Interesting. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, like uh, I don't know, what's there's some swimmer. I think it was it was a Missy Franklin. I'm pretty sure it was Missy Franklin. Yeah, she. It was because I saw a diver also, but which was another girl, and um, she. If you declare being a uh, a U.S. or any country <laughs> Olympic athlete, then you're not. You do not qualify for NCAA sports. And that's uh, stats with Olympic sports. Nice job, stat. Nice by job. stone. All right, by stone. <laughs> you call him stat now? Yeah, I'm just calling him stat man now. You call me Olympic stats? Yeah, Olympic stats with stone. 
All right, so we just finished our first part of the show, but I think we got a little breaking news. The New York Giants won a fucking game. They won a football game, fellas. I was having a heart attack on that last play. Me too. Nick Mullins was throwing a game winner. Uh, Guys, we're, we're, if, if you're listening now, we're, we're taping the podcast and we're watching the Giant game at the same time on mute. It's called multitasking at its finest. So the Giants are winners. Eli, the I this isn't doesn't sound great. Nineteen for thirty-one, not so not so nice. But three touchdowns, no picks, and guess how many sacks? Just one. Offensive line, not bad today. Did we did they versus a shit team, the Niners? Yes. But I'm impressed. Saquon, 67 yards rushing, that nice touchdown. And uh, Odell had two touchdowns today. So let's all be thankful. Giants fans, I don't know what you are, Stone. I'm a Jet fan, but I don't really know. Shnikes. Yeah. Yeah. So me and Liam, we should just be happy with this, correct? Very happy. All right, now let's go into our interview with Jeff Perlman, and we'll, uh, we'll start that right now. All right, so we've eight-time New York Times best-selling author and author of The Football for a Buck, The Crazy Rise, and The Crazier Demise of the USFL. So, Jeff, let's let's start from the beginning. When you, you were in school almost about 30 years ago, you wrote a paper on this in school, about 40 pages long, and this was something that your teacher said was a solid job, a sexual cult, solid job, but I feel like there should be much more in, into this story. How did you feel that you couldn't, I guess not even couldn't, but you needed to put more and more effort into this? And I, I what was the reason why you couldn't get started, I guess, as your first book? Is this because it wasn't a um, a major priority at first? Or is it because- well, I hadn't thought of it. It wasn't, my first book wasn't even my idea. I didn't know what I was doing with my first book. And someone came to me with the idea of the 86 Mets. But uh, I've wanted to do the USFL for a long time. What you're referencing is when I was a senior in Mayo Pack High School yeah. in New York, my uh, my English teacher my last year, Mr. Height, gave us all a 20-page paper of the subject of our choosing. I picked the USFL, and I ended up writing 40 pages instead of 20. I always say, looking back now as an adult, there's no way in hell that guy read 40 pages. It's <laughs> not those 18-year-old right. kid about the USFL. But, uh, yeah, I got, I got a B-plus on the paper. I remember being pissed off. I probably deserved it. And, um, and you know, as an adult and writing books, I've always wanted to do the USFL. I mean, I grew up with the league. I think it's a fascinating league. I think there are a lot of what-ifs. Uh, it was it died way too early. You know, it was a really good idea, spring professional football, not a direct challenge to the NFL, but we're going we're gonna to build teams regionally. So teams in Florida are going to be primarily stocked with Florida-bred college football players, you know, um, you know, team in Cal- L.A. will be UCLA and USC fed. It just was really a smart idea. And I was always fascinated by it because I loved it as a kid. I wrote about it as a senior in high school. I'd always dreamed of writing a book about it. But but I didn't. there wasn't a huge market for a USFL book, some 30-year-old defunct football league. So I really had to scratch and claw to get it. Where did you get the name uh, for the book, Football for a Buck? Well, the uh, what happened is uh, the USFL ended up suing the NFL. Um in an antitrust lawsuit mm-hmm. uh, when they were trying to move to fall because they, they argued that the NFL was monopolizing TV in the fall and therefore the USFL couldn't compete. And the USFL wound up winning the lawsuit, but the jury decided the USFL was mainly to blame, so they gave them the, the final settlement they gave them was $1. So football for a buck. 
Yeah, that's pretty funny. I like that. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. And not only that, just to, to the title of it, but the stories that you that you put into the into your book. How many people did you end up interviewing? What was the total amount? Because the, um, the amount of stories you have in the book are, is is astonishing. But I want to know how many guys did you actually interview? I think about four hundred thirty. So I uh, I busted my ass. Man. I only had a year to report it um, and write it. So I didn't have as much time as usual. But I just it was just a matter of calling and calling and calling and calling. And if the center from the Oklahoma Outlaws didn't answer, I'll call the backup center. If he doesn't answer, I'll call the guard. When he maybe he will answer, and I'll call the other guard. Oh, you have two numbers to give me. I'll take those two numbers. And those two numbers become four numbers, and before long, you have hundreds of numbers. So I just it didn't matter who, as long as people were involved with the U.S. of L. in some capacity the odds were pretty good I was going to call them. Did you have any guys who were like your white whale, like a guy you really wanted to get that, you know, maybe like took a lot of work to get? I did. I mean, there's some guys I didn't get. Obviously, I didn't get Herschel Walker, who I really wanted. Um, there was one guy named Greg Fields. He's, he's one of the stars of the book because he, uh, he punched his coach when his coach cut him. Oh, jeez. He became this kind of star. And um, I couldn't find him, couldn't find him. I got two addresses for him, but no phone numbers. And it was in San Francisco, and I live in Southern California. So I, uh, I took my son Emmett, who was nine at the time, and oh. drove up to up to San Francisco to find this guy. Wow! We knocked on doors and found him. Yes, yeah, so that was big for me. That must, I'm sure that that has to be such a uh, satisfying thing to work your ass off to go find this one guy or find somebody, and you you takes you weeks, or maybe hopefully maybe not even weeks, maybe days to find him, and then you get him, and then it's a solid interview. I'm sure that's. The, such an uh, awesome feeling. I mean, even with this book and your books in the past. Always. Yeah, always. I mean, because it's, uh, it's part of the fun, you know? Like I always say to my wife, I feel like at this point in my life, um, I would not be the worst guy in the CIA or the FBI. I feel like <laughs> I really know how to find people, and I get a rush out of finding people, and tracking people down is a thrill. And if they talk, especially when people said, you're never going to find this guy, or you're never going to find this guy. All right, well, well let's see. Sometimes you don't, but when you do, it's great. Yeah, it's killer. It's one of the best parts of the job. I think the most interesting for me is Steve Young and how he was in was in the league for such a short amount of time and how it was such an awkward situation. The owner of that team he was on was super weird. Can you kind of go a little in-depth about, about how that whole story kind of unfolded with Steve Young and how he... Was he signed this big ten-year contract, forty million dollars, and then it kind of didn't really see any of it. You know, it was just that's what really interesting to me. Uh, yeah, well, Young was coming out of BYU, and he was going to be the number one pick in the NFL draft. He didn't want to go to Cincinnati; they had the number one pick. Right. Um, so the USFL basically asked him, "Where would you want to play?" And he said, "Well, if I was were to go to your league, I'd want to go to L.A." So um, they made sure L.A. with the tenth pick in the draft selected Steve Young. And it was a fixed draft, 100%. And, um, you know, his agent negotiated with the, the – the owner of the Blitz was – I mean, of the Express was this crazy guy named Bill Oldenburg who was just out of his mind. He made his money a little bit shady. And he was just – he just wanted to build a great football team no matter what. And he ended up giving Young this crazy $40 million contract. That really wasn't a $40 million deal because it was an annuity, meaning he was going to be paid – for the next gazillion years. Like so 40 years or something, right? Front. Yeah, it was a 40-year, basically, deal. He's still supposed to be getting paid. Of course, he's not because uh, the league crapped out. But, but you know, it was insane, and, and he couldn't turn down that money. And when he went to finally sort of 
finalized the deal. It took longer than the owner expected, and the owner was getting drunk and belligerent, and threatened Steve Young, and he actually kicked Steve Young and his agent, Lee Steinberg, out of his office, put him on the street, and all this crazy stuff. And then Young finally joins the Express, and he's really only there for a year and a half because the league didn't last that long. Um, but he got to play for some great coaches. This guy, Sid Gilman, who's a godfather of the modern passing game. John Hadle, one of the great quarterbacks in modern history. And he would say it really kind of set him on his way. So, For that situation to happen, how many more situations like that happened in uh, in this league? Because there, there was, like you said, it's a super. It was super shady. You know, Trump had his own team, and it got really out of hand. And then, it, you know, of course, unfortunately, it fell through. But is there any other teams or any other players that you got to interview that were super shady contract negotiations, or just uh, they picked a guy off the street or whatever? No, there's a million. Literally a million. I mean, Craig James, who was the, uh, he was a really good running back coming out of Southern Methodist that year. He signed with the Washington Federals, and the Federals general manager was a guy named Dick Myers, and he flew down to Texas to negotiate the deal with Craig James and Craig James's agent, and they flew back to Washington for the press conference, and the media room is packed at RFK Stadium, and all the press is there, and this is going to be a big moment for the Washington Federals that they got Craig James from SMU. It's a huge deal, and right before they're about to go out, Craig James's agent says to the GM of the Federals, yeah. Uh, we've changed the terms. We want more money. James like, what? Uh-oh. It's like, yeah, we're not going to do this unless we get 100000 more for Craig James. And um, the the uh, GM of the Federals was completely trapped because this was going to be their first big moment. Right. And uh, he ended up giving him the money. So oh, a lot man. Of, a lot of, there was um, one of my favorites. This is in Shady. This is ridiculous. Is, uh, that year, the Alvin Trophy winner in college football for the best offensive lineman was Dave Remington from Nebraska. And uh, the Boston Breakers negotiated a deal with Dave Remington over the phone and they reached an agreement on the uh, via phone what the contract was going to be and they flew Dave Remington to Boston to have the press conference and the breakers sent team representatives to the uh, to the airport to pick him up and Dave Remington wasn't there and it uh, it turns out um, they weren't negotiating with the real Dave Remington there was just someone playing a prank out of the whole time and he that Dave Remington had no idea this was even going on Oh a my lot of god! Crazy shit. That's terrible. That's, that's hysterical. I love that. That's also it's funny, but that's also just you're, you're you're messing with so many people and money's getting thrown around. And I mean, no, I f- how does a team not make sure that? They're right. That's also the like, PR staff on that team is terrible as well. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Is there a I guess a reason or you know any anything in, in particular that drew you towards the USFL over the NFL? Yeah, I mean, it's just being a kid. I mean, I was 11 years old when the league started. Um, 10 years old when the league started actually and um, it's like all the reasons a little kid falls for sports or falls for an athlete or falls for a team bright colors new uniforms awesome helmets I remember being a kid and going to, to my local library in Mayo Park, New York and seeing Herschel Walker on the cover of Sports Illustrated in a New Jersey General's uniform and opening up the magazine and seeing all the new helmets and just being blown away so it wasn't like the NFL. It wasn't like the USFL was better football than the NFL. It wasn't. Nobody would argue that. Uh, it was just so freaking new and shiny and explosive and cool that it really made my little tiny 10-year-old head explode. Now, when you were a kid and you were seeing all this happen, watching it at that age and knowing that this is kind of blowing up with the players that are coming in, is it Jim Kelly or if it's if it's Herschel Walker or, or Steve Young, at that age, did you, did you think that this would maybe – get 
as big as the NFL? I mean, now we kind of see what happened now and, and seeing what unfolded, but did you see anything big future happen with them? I didn't. I was so let off. I was just, you know, I was enamored. Like in the way you have a crush on the first girl, you know, at the school bus, bus stop. Or I was just, I had a crush on the USFL. You know, I didn't know if it would last or not last. I didn't know how long it would be. I just thought it was kick-ass. You know, I just thought it was great. Um, I learned more, you know, like people say, what did you learn doing this book? I mean, I learned everything. I didn't know that much about the USFL. I knew I knew what I thought I knew. And I knew what a, what a 10-year-old kid knows through a fan's eyes. But it wasn't until I really dug deep into it that I learned about the league and what it, what it was. All right, that's pretty cool. So uh, I know you wrote uh, also the book, The Bad Guys One, about the 86 Mets, which was an awesome read. I definitely recommend that to anyone. Is there anything, I guess, you know, for the future that you plan on working on or anything, you know, a passion project you have? Yeah, I'm doing a book about the, uh, the Lakers of the, uh, from 96 to 04. So Shaquille O'Neal, Kobe, Phil Jackson. That's my next book, is that era of the Lakers. So that's what I'm working on now. Uh, we have a couple more questions before we before we wrap up. When okay. it comes to, like you said, you couldn't get Herschel Walker. And what was what was the main reason behind that? Was it just because, I guess, he didn't play that long in, in the league? Or he, I mean, he had success in the league, right. but I, wanna, I would love to, it would have been probably the most ideal interview to have in, in this book, I'm, I'm, I guess, in, in my nah. opinion. That's not really true. Um, first of all, nobody played that long in the league. It only lasted three right, years. Three years right. So if you played three years, you played a long time. So he was basically a grandpa in that league. Um, I don't know why I didn't talk. He never responded to anything. It. Um, I think part of it is he's he's one of the rare Trump supporters in the U.S. of L. Uh, I was working on it, you know, in the while the election was going on in the lead up. So that may be a reason. I don't know. Nobody owes it to me. They certainly right. didn't have to talk to me. And uh, but the reason I disagree with you about that he's he was key. It's like um, my philosophy generally is, you know, Herschel Walker has been asked about the USFL a lot through the years. Um, but the guy who is his, his backup running back probably hasn't been. You know, Jim Kelly has been asked about the USFL. Now I interviewed Jim Kelly and he was great, but Jim Kelly's been asked about the USFL a million times. His backup quarterback hasn't. They were all there for the same things. They just have fresher stories to tell. So usually, to me, the stars are in many ways the least important guys. Because they're the ones who've told their stories already. And um, I want to say our, our last question is: Do you see maybe a league like this coming back? I mean, we have the XFL coming in about I think it was a, a year from now, but that yeah. you know that's going to be kind of, of a league that's hopefully not as out of hand as what, what it used to be. But yeah. do you see like a league like this coming back and maybe rising up to a, a level maybe like as the NFL, or is the NFL just going to kind of stomp all over it? Yeah, no, impossible. Yeah, I, I mean, you have two leagues coming along. You have this league, the Alliance of American Football, which is coming out, um, and you have the XFL. And both the leagues, I think, I think they see themselves as sort of, if the you know if the NFL is um, Taylor Swift, they see themselves as like you know uh, Selena Gomez, you know, like B minuses compared to the A. Really, interesting. Uh, no offense to Selena Gomez. But I was, <laughs> was going to say Selena Gomez. He, she's I, name in my book. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> um, I'm 46 years old, man. If she were an AMI, it would be weird. Um, very true, very no, true. I, think, um, I just think like they see themselves as like you can't compete with the NFL money at this point. It just is too big of a head start. The TV deals, the ubiquitousness of the NFL. So what can a football league do? They can come along in smaller markets. They can uh, have their team stocked with regional players. 
So if you're the Orlando team in the XFL or in the Alliance, I mean, um, have your team stocked with guys from Miami, Florida, Florida State, Bethune, Cookman. Uh, figure out that, you know, fans who follow the players in high school and college, that, that might be a base for who's going to come see you. So I think those leagues are smart. Those are like the leagues are hiring big-name head coaches. So you see like Steve Spurrier and Rick Neuheisel and guys like that. Um, and I think that's smart because I think, I think they become not just good coaches, but they're, they're PR for the league. And what you really need more than anything is PR. Oh, oh, just, all right. So one last question. When writing this book, did you have to reach out to Donald Trump? And I'm assuming you did, but I'm, you know, I'm also yeah, going to assume you, you didn't talk. hear back. I didn't talk. <laughs> I didn't talk. I didn't expect, and I'm not, um, I'm, I'm not a Donald Trump fan in any way, shape or form. Oh yeah. But, I do not begrudge him. I mean, guy was running for president. The last thing he wants to talk about is the U.S. Well. Yeah. All right, fair You enough. know what? It would have been really interesting, honestly, just to get his – look, I mean, look, I'll be honest. I'm not I'm not a Trump guy either. But it would, be, it would have been a, a interesting take from a guy who who owned a team, you know? And I, I thought I – mean, I mean, I guess you know maybe not from your perspective maybe, but I, I think – I don't oh, know. Oh, I mean, I would love to have talked to him, but the guy, like – it's like interviewing someone who has no sense of introspection whatsoever. So – I mean, he ruined the USFL. He butchered yeah. the USFL and ruined it. So he would never admit that because he doesn't see it. Because he never sees any. If you never see any shortcomings, you know how much of an interview. Well, Jeff, I really appreciate you uh, you taking the time to come on and talk about your book. Where can we find you on social media, and where can we find this uh, book in stores? Yeah, I'm on Twitter at Jeff Perlman, and the book is uh, you can go to my website, jeffperlman.com. Uh, and I also have a, uh, a podcast, a weekly podcast called Two Writers Slinging Yank. Very cool. On iTunes. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. I Thank you, Jeff. Really Thanks, appreciate Jeff. your time. All right. Take care. Thank you, Jeff Perlman, for coming on to the podcast. Uh, that I'm telling you right now, that was one of our core interviews because of the the stories behind behind the book. Steve Young's story was pretty wild. I love that Greg Fields story, too, about the guy who punches Coach in the face, and then he had to go find him. <laughs> Real weird. All right. Let's get into some of our sp- Special segments. Top performer. Liam, who do you got? My top performer for this weekend was Jimmer Fredette. Everyone knows Jimmer. Was nasty at college in BYU. Played in the NBA for a little. Played in the G League for a little. Now he is in the CBA, the Chinese Basketball Association. He dropped 75 points this weekend. Shooting 24 of 34 and 40 points in the fourth quarter. Jimmer range. And they lost. What? Yeah, they lost by a point. That's trash. Score 75 points. What was the final score? I think it was like 127, 126 or something like that. God damn, dude. That's bad. His J- first name's Jimmer? Yes. Yep, Jimmer. That's pretty That's pretty sick. He's a Mormon. That's a sick first he's, he's name. A, he's a Mormon. Oh. That's too bad, isn't it? <laughs> 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 All right, so my... We are a pro-Mormon <laughs> podcast. Are we? No, <laughs> we'll say that back. We are not. We are not. Um, we're not anti-Mormon, but we're not pro-Mormon. We just lost zero listeners. <laughs> yeah. All right. So my top performer is Jared Goff. Yes, Jared Goff in this in the Rams beat the Seahawks on Sunday, but Jared Goff got a little shout out on Twitter from the one and only one of the hottest women in the world, Halle Berry. So during the during the game, one of the one of the plays an audible. So every time a quarterback would audible a play, if it was say like it was just a call a different term, and golf used Halle Berry as an audible against the Seahawks, and the 
the cameras picked it up, picked the audio up of him screaming, screaming Halle Berry, Halle Berry as an audible play. And Halle Berry was watching the game. She said, hold up. Why are you saying my name on the field? What's going on? And then he said, oh, it's a play. And it's like, it's my favorite play. You know, whatever. Shoot your shot. Shoot. And not, shoot or shoot? Yeah, shoot or shoot, man. And you know what, Goff? That's why you're my top performer. Not because you kicked ass, but the fact of this. Did he make the play? What was, what was the audible? What was it? Um, I can we can we can we can throw in the video actually on the All social. Right. Sounds good. I'm like ninety percent sure it was just like a jet sweep from the slot. It was. Receiver. It was like an eight yard. It was like an eight yard pass to the tight end or something. It was like completed that. though. Oh, it was a pass. Yeah, it, it was like a, I think it was an eight yard pass. To I was the, way off. Oh, all right. I think so. I'm about to watch it right now. But the thing is, it was such a cool thing because Halle Berry. Did like, she tweet at him or something? Yeah, she quote tweeted the yeah. highlight. No way. Yeah, it was pretty cool. That's awesome. Oh, I'm watching right now. This is bad radio right here. Watching the play. Watching the play. She's screaming, Halle Berry, Halle Berry. Oh, and I didn't get to see it because my computer's turned off. Right. <laughs> that's, Sorry, we'll throw it and, up on the gram. And that's bad radio. Okay, so right. now our next segment, Stats with Stone. Stone, what finally do you got? Get to do you some finally stats. Since episode one, so it's been a couple yeah. weeks. So you're back. So what is our stat with Stone today? So uh, it's about Drew Brees. Okay. He completed 22 of his 25 passes on Sunday bringing his 2018 season completion rate to 77.3%, which is high. Okay. Um, also, the NFL record set by himself last season was 72%, which is also very high, and no QB has ever come close to completing three-quarters of his passes. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Stone. You know. Solid stone. A little internet. Research, a little research here and there. Get you, get you to where you need to be. And that's that's what's done. So looking here for a bookie is our next segment. Liam's shaking his head right now. You you guys can't see it, but this is not a good. We've had we haven't had a good couple weeks. All right, as of right now, we're a week and a half into this. Our we're record is one in five total. God, do we stink? No, we suck. So last week we had uh, the spread Atlanta over Cleveland. Atlanta was giving four points. Cleveland won 28-16. We talked about that with Baker. Feeling dangerous. Mm, feeling dangerous. Um, oh, yeah. We had the under Buffalo the Jets. We thought it was going to be you know a horrible game, maybe like 10, 15 points each. The uh, over-under was 36.5. The total points was 51. We took that loss Why very handily. Why the fuck we taking under? Yeah, I couldn't tell you, bro. That's two weeks in a row, too. And our money line, first win of the season... We took the Nets over Phoenix. The Nets won 104-82. They pay my paychecks. They also pay yours. <laughs> Fade us, though, because we're 1-5. <laughs> Fade us down. Yeah, uh, we, we need to we need to get we need to have a 3-0 record this, this weekend. So, our, our next game. So, what do we got for our next picks? We got the spread, Green Bay plus 2 over Seattle. I feel pretty confident about that one. Okay. I mean, Green Bay going into Seattle... Uh, I think that's just easy. Seattle hasn't looked too great, and you got Aaron Rodgers. He's going to put up points. Okay. You sold me. Because <laughs> you know what? I'll take anything right now because we're not doing great. So as, as a as – a I co- just don't gamble. I just at, stay out of it. Yeah, Stone, we, we don't gamble either. Yeah. But we're, we're trying to get into it. So as a, co- a host-to-co-host collaboration, we are 1-5. We need to get up to – got to get to at least 500. 
in the next couple weeks. Yeah, so we got got to get. So what's our next one? What's our over-under here? Our over-under is Tampa Bay playing the Giants, 51 and a half points. It's in a couple weeks. I simply picked this because we've been losing the unders, and I want to watch an over, especially if it's my favorite team. And you got Fitzmagic coming in, who every time he gets in the game, he puts up like 40. You really want to take 51? Yeah, we're taking it. For a giant team that could, didn't even score 30 tonight? Yeah, but I think they can put up at least like 21 to 28. Who and then gonna, Who's the, going to win this game? No clue, but I think if it's Fitzmagic is playing, he'll put up at least like 35. He just slings it. I really want to take the under in this, but since we're doing it, since since you, you put the research in, fuck, I'll take the over. All right, over it is. And then for our money line pick, we're taking Florida Atlantic University with... Lane Kiffin over North Texas. Lane train. The lane train. Uh, FAU is plus 123 money line. So not, not you know, great, great numbers, but we're going to take FAU over North Texas. Liam, I'm riding ride or die with you. So please. Like that's how it is. Well, You've been ride or dying with them the whole time. And I'm, yeah, I'm, we've I'm, been dying. And I'm, and I'm dying. You guys sinking fast. I'm sinking real fast. So, all right, let's go. We got Monopoly money in this, so it's all right. So our next segment, which is our last segment of the night, it is the segment we thought of last week. This guy I did witness in person. So this segment is called the Bench Player of the Week. Matt Barkley, fucking this guy. This guy got picked off, legit off the street. He played with the Bears in 2016. It's been a couple of years. In 2016, I believe he threw one touchdown and eight picks in seven games. Yeah, not so great. So this on this past game, he... Against the Jets, who won, they won forty-one to ten, fifteen for twenty-five, two hundred thirty-two yards, and two touchdowns, no interceptions. That is our very first bench player of the week. Second, second, I fucked up. What was our first one? Alonzo Trier. Alonzo the Knicks. Trier, right? He had a great game. Right. Second, we we can edit that out. We can edit that. We can edit that. So that is our second. We don't do editing here, do we? No. Fuck. All right. Bench player of the week. So and I, you know what? And that is our show. So we started with the Jets and we ended it with the Jets. Losing and Bills winning. So that's our show. Episode six. Five. No, six will be coming out on Friday. Tomorrow yes. we'll be dropping on Tuesday. How awesome is that? We're six we're gonna be six episodes deep. Just for the Friday. record, I was with Stone on that too. I was a little lost. Yeah. If you was, let me fi- This let me, is five, right? If you let me finish my sentence. This is five. This is five. Okay. I, I promise everyone who's listening will be cleaner next episode. We don't need to be. A little bit. Eh. Well, then it seems staged. You don't want it to seem staged. Well, next week we'll talk about college football, our picks. Some big NFL games coming the next weekend. We got some hot merch. Not our merch, but hot new apparel. Yes. Would you rather segment will be coming up mm-hmm. on Friday? And let's hope Harmon versus Smith. Round two comes out because we always love a little beef. Mm. So, all right. So, uh, any last words, Liam? Nope. Stone, anything? Anything since you've been, been here in four weeks? Uh, we have a we have a, a counter on Taylor. Oh, no. On the uh, How many is amount it? of times that the kid likes to use the sailor's mouth. I think you said the F-bomb. 16 times today. Jesus. The, and Yeah, 16 in the whole okay. pod. So. 16? Yeah, and I told you guys at the at the at the beginning before we even started, I'm gonna really try to keep it on. You're not doing well. 
All right, so we'll give you. I'm right, over bro, under over under. Just want to say for next show. Over under for next show. What are you saying? Ten over or under? I'm at sixteen. You're gonna go lower than that? You giving me ten? I'm taking over. Well, now I'm hammering he, the over. Now that he knows, you know, now he's more aware of it. So it could be he could maybe. Ah, now nah, I'm going with the over two. We'll go with over a, over a ten. Yeah. I'm telling so, you guys, I'm professional. We'll see what I'm happens than, I'm next better, week. Damn it, I'm better than this. <laughs> All right. So any last words, Leo? No. Stone, any last words? Nothing, man. All right, we will see you guys on Friday. Peace. Put the fucking mic on. <laughs> Just gonna say that. Put the fucking mic on. Mic is on. Joe cracked it on. Got to do, got to do it.